My Love of Life Energy is a podcast created by Anna Scott. Anna knows that every human being sees life uniquely. In this podcast, she will talk to people and learn from them. These conversations are to shine the brilliance of each human being she speaks to. Join her. After each exploration, you will expand on your insights and see truth and beauty. Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to my podcast, My Love of Life Energy. And today, um, I'm delighted and honored, and um, Linda, I have the guest, Linda Pettit, who is on the show, but Linda doesn't know about this, is I have a girl crush on her. (laughs) I was in a writing class, and Linda is in the three-principle world, and she's one of the people that I've always secretly wanted to know, and um, I'm interviewing day under the guise of the story of the muses, which we're both contributors to. So I am thrilled and honored to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I feel equally honored. (laughs) It's true, though. I have a girl crush. We can can share a girl crush. (laughs) Like your secret admirer. (laughs) I'm feeling a little embarrassed, but welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you. And and I'm really curious. how does it feel to be, you know, you're already publishing so much, but what is publishing in the story of the muses done for you? <laughs> Scared me to death. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is, it is interesting because there are a couple pieces, one piece in particular in this book that is pretty revealing, pretty disclosing. And I, and I realized, I was thinking about it today that, before I wrote this piece, I had never talked to anyone about a couple of the things that I mentioned in one of the pieces. So there's a, yeah, that it, it, it's been a little like, wow, you know, I sharing really deeply and personally, and I've done that before, but, but maybe in some ways in a couple of areas more deeply than previously. And so there's a feeling, there's a little feeling of vulnerability and, exposure but also also uh like a a refreshing sort of sense of i'm telling the truth Mm. and why why should we ever hold back from telling the truth about anything you know why yeah so so that feels good and i and i also just am proud to be included among uh this panel or group of 14 authors because the the writing in the book is phenomenal just phenomenal i mean i had to go through it been through it several times and i had to go through it really slowly to just inhale the the beauty of each piece and Mm. yeah so it's 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 humbling to be included you know i it occurs to me ask you do you think that your conscious level changed before so you could be that vulnerable or that it did it change after because you were that vulnerable? Probably both. Uh, Probably both because I, when I started Jules Swales method writing program, I was already in progress on writing a memoir. And I was already asking questions about what do you reveal? Um, Where is the line between your story and other people's stories? And, 
and I got some good advice about how to handle that. Primarily, put that on hold, just write from your soul. And later, before you publish, you can ask yourself questions about what pieces you might want to put out there and what pieces you might not want to put back. But I found that the more I wrote, the more I realized with the memoir that I was writing from the eyes of love. I wasn't writing in a hurtful way or to throw anyone under the bus. I was telling truths and, and sharing some things that I'd held pretty close to heart, but but in a, in a really loving sort of way. And so that, so I was getting more and more willing to be generous with myself on the mm. page. And, mm. and then I started in the class sharing more deeply about certain things. And the response was phenomenal within the class. Uh, people, people loved it. And I loved their disclosures. I, I loved just the honesty of being real in the human experience, not just some facade out on Facebook, you know, but, but real. I, you said something that really um, has me curious. You said, right from your soul. What does that mean? You know, just, just what comes up. Uh, it's, you know, when, when I, I think, you know, when you're, when I'm writing, I'm sure it's the same for you, you're writing and your hands are flying over the keyboard and things are just, just coming up and, and just going, just going with that. And then, and then using the, stepping back and using the, the tools of method writing to amplify and, and, deepen it so that people really hear it. I was thinking this morning, Anna, that I, there was a turning point for me when I took the first method writing class with, with Jewel Swales, and there was a gentleman in the class. I don't think I was ever in another class with him, but he wrote a piece that, I mean, it left me just without breath. I mean, I was just like oh, hanging on every word. And it was a, it was a piece about uh, an interaction with his mother and his mother was sitting in a chair and they were having this moment. But the way he described it, the, the depth of presence in the writing, that he was so fully there seeing her, seeing what was around her, really describing not only how it looked, but how it felt to him, how his whole being was taking it in. So that as I was reading it, I was in my body and I was right there and I was deeply moved by it. And I remember thinking, I want to write like that. I don't write like that. Wow. And I, I had been raised, uh, I had been uh, trained to be a journalist. My first degree, uh, baccalaureate degree was in journalism. And I worked as a professional writer for about eight years. But it was mostly uh, reporting writing. So you're writing from the reporter's voice, narrating about something. And at that time, we were doing as journalists, a much better job of keeping ourselves out of the, the news. And then, and then uh, I was doing a lot of marketing writing, you know, where you're, you're, you have a, you have a desire and a job to influence people's buying choices. And so this, this writing, writing deeply from being in my body, in myself, in my soul, really looking at things and sharing what I experience. It just, it just, changed everything and and I had started writing my memoir as I said before I started these classes and, and Jules said to me can you know you might want to stop 
<laughs> Oops. <laughs> she, I don't think she'd read any of the pieces. Maybe she'd read one. And, but she said, I'm going to invite you, Linda, to just put it aside and, and just take the classes at least to the muses and then, then go back. And I did. I, I, I pretty much didn't do very much with it, except, you know, occasionally I would write another chapter. And then after the muses, I went back and I really saw that too much of the writing was in that sort of narrator voice, you know, telling about mm. something rather than being in a moment and, 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 you know, writing it on the page showing it on the page and knowing that I had the tools to, to, to really help people experience. Oh, wow. What I had experienced was beautiful. Wow. I just really, when you said that, I really got the power of the, like, I don't know if it's the intent, but the power of what's possible is that people get to experience what you experienced. Yeah. Like we get to share our collective humanity. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what I'm feeling is when you say that. Yeah. And we're moved by it. We're touched by it. You know, it's like, I, we talk about this in the three principles world that I'm in, uh, you know, that what, what comes from the heart goes into the heart. Say more about that. That's really beautiful. <laughs> well, it's like when that man wrote that piece, when that writer wrote that piece, he was, he was in it with such love for his mother and such with it, with her. He was just so with her in her, her suffering and her ordinariness and her beauty and her, her love for him and his love for her. And it just, it just touched me. And it, and it was like, that's what we're here for. We're here to encounter each other. We're here to, I heard another writer, read another writer the other day on Facebook say that our only job in this life is to love each other unconditionally. And you know, it's so funny. You have, um, what I'm feeling in your conversation is the backdrop of everything that you do is from this place of love. And what I am feeling is that this, even the pieces that you wrote, that there was a love and tenderness for yourself in it. Mm. And that's just so different. Yeah, that's been a, a growing edge for me and for a lot of women, I think, to have self-compassion, that love and tenderness for ourselves, to realize that we are our first love relationship when we embody. Mm. And, and that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Say more about what you just said about women mm -hmm. and that, because that, when you said it, energetically, I felt like a truth bomb went off and what you've seen about that. Well, I'm 68 years old, so I've been around the block a few times. <laughs> and you look amazing. <laughs> And, and I was raised in a generation, you know, I was raised in a different world. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I was raised in a world where as enlightened as many of my nun teachers were, there was still, there was still a very patriarchal attitude toward what women could do and the way we should be. And there was such a strong emphasis on 
nurturing and taking care of others, which is a good thing. I think it's deeply embedded in the the divine feminine understanding that that we are here to love and nurture and take care of and nourish and be there for ourselves and our children and our families and our communities. But the ourselves piece, I think, tends to get left out of the equation. You know, we just, it just strikes me for myself and for a lot of the women I work with that we can be so affirming and acknowledging and uplifting of the people around us and the work that we do, but secretly we're very self-critical or very self-doubtful. You know, it's interesting, Anna, that I, I work with a lot of coaches and I've had conversations with probably 15 of them already this week. And at least seven times someone has said to me, I'm struggling with the imposter syndrome. <laughs> Now, I don't, I don't know if there's just a virus going around that <laughs> I think they're imposters, or, but, but it, it has, it's pretty incredible. It has something to do with what you talked about when we first started, you know, not, not feeling comfortable claiming your genius, not feeling comfortable being the beauty that you are being and being the love that you are and, and knowing that 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 at your deepest level that's who you are for yourself is unconditional love and anytime you're not in that you're in the realm of your personal constructs your personal thinking but mm. more, more and more i find that i dip into that place you know where i feel that oh you know that's I'm so beautiful. My life has been so beautiful. What I've done has been so beautiful. There are times when it hasn't been. And those are the times when I've gotten into mm -hmm. you know, my personal ego. But, but even that, there was innocence in that. Mm. Do your grandchildren love to just throw their bodies against you? Because if I was your grandchild, that's what I would be doing. Well, I got to show you this. Your, your listeners won't be able to see this, but I'm wearing on my arm a, a little pipe cleaner bracelet that has one, two, three, four, five little bells on it and a really cute little clasp. My grandson, who's going to be five, made it for me for Mother's Day. Oh my gosh. And he said, Grammy, this is your believe bracelet because he, he loves the movie, The Polar Express. Oh yeah. And there's a little boy in this movie who has this incredible experience and an experience where he sees so much about love and caring for others and being cared for and, and knowing that he's cared for and there's magic in the world. And, and when he comes back and he wakes up, he says, is that real? And he finds one of these little bells. And, oh my God. And it's a reminder to him to, to believe. And so Luke gave it to me and I said, Luke, every time I think I'm, Every time I dream and I forget that that I'm love and that you're love and the world is magic, I'm going to shake my arm to remind me to believe. I, you know, I am so glad you told me that story because I, I hadn't gotten to it yet, but I was so curious about your bracelet because mm. I heard it and it was like, I'm like, well, what is the, I'm like, why is she wearing bells? Is she a cat? <laughs> no, it's, it's. To remind me to believe. So I told Luke, and I mean this, that I said, I'm going to be away on a 40-day business trip. I said, I'll wear this bracelet the entire trip and think of you. 
I, I'm so curious. What I feel from you, Linda, is that you're a beacon of love to remind people that they're love. Does that resonate with you? Well, I am. I'm going to borrow a phrase that Elsie Spittle, a grade three principles teacher, used. I am till I'm not. <laughs> well, I, I know, but but like I just, I, I get the not part. Yeah. But there's such a, and it's not that you're saying anything. Like you're not. This is what's so interesting about it. The showing, not telling, like Jules talks about in, in the work, is you show, not tell. And what I feel is that you show love. Like it just emanates from your being until it's not because we're human, but you show love. You live from that place. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And, and I, think, I think there's a greater, I have a greater compassion for the times when I don't. Too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That it's just, oh, you know. I, I hate to tell you, that's love too, Linda. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're busted. <laughs> you know, that it's, you know, it's, life is messy. It's just messy. How can you look around and not say that life is messy? There's a lot of messiness in it. And yet, in the messiness, there's so much beauty and perfection. In the messiness, not, not despite the mess, but in it. And, and I guess I just see that more and more and want, want to just embrace it all. Did, the, did writing the muses open up more to yourself? Did you oh. uncover more of yourself? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, gosh, I was really amazed that those pieces came out of me. And there was something about sitting with the energy, particularly with several of them, that I was surprised at the power that came through, the voice that came through. And that was really beautiful. Which ones really grabbed you? Oh, I think they all did in their own way. Um, I, I, I think, oh, yeah, all of them. The, when I wrote the, um, the ancient one, You know, I was just really struck with the power of the statement that I made that there was there was a, a poet's voice coming forward in me. And that and that um, here I was thinking that, you know, I'm in the last quarter of my life and suddenly I'm birthing a whole new voice. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to be slithering through the last quarter of my life on a raw underbelly of fresh skin. I didn't expect that. Oh, and yet when I, when I wrote that, I went, oh, holy crap, that is what's happening. I feel, oh, like, wow. I feel like I'm sliding on a fresh underbelly through a whole new way of doing and seeing life. I wrote, um, I wrote when I wrote the Medusa piece, I was really, uh, I was really stirred up about what women are experiencing in the world today. And I disclosed, that's one of the pieces where I disclosed some piece, pieces of things that had happened to me as I was a young girl that I had never spoken of before. Yeah. And but there, but it was like kind of like as I did it and I stepped back and said, I can't publish that. I, I can't publish that. That's really personal. And then some of the women in my 
class said to me, I'd like to share that piece with my sons so that they understand what it's like to be in those experience in a, experiences in a woman's body. Now, I don't know if they ever did, but that they even said that, I was like, you know, there's, there's such value when we speak the truth. You know what occurs to me is when you're speaking this, is that you claimed your power. And I don't know, I, th there's something in that, like I claim my power in speaking your truth. Yeah. Like this experience isn't outside of me, it was in me and I speak it. And I don't know why I'm saying that, but that's the feeling of it. It's like this alignment of energy. Yeah. Like all parts of me, I claim it, I speak it. Oh, wow. Yeah, years ago, I was, I was introduced to this Native American idea. They have this like hand movement where they kind of go from forehead to belly. And it, it's meant to indicate head, heart, and voice in alignment. Mm -hmm. I think my head and my heart have often been in alignment but I not necessarily my voice. And it feels like that final piece more, more often is dropping in. Wow. And, and maybe that's um, what an invitation for women, again, sh um, showing not telling mm -hmm. is by speaking the truth. It's inviting more women to own all parts of them. And to speak it because the voice I've heard and I, I still because I struggle with that too is the voice is so hard for women mm -hmm. that's that's what I've understood and I don't know why that is yeah you know it's so interesting uh last year with a colleague I offered a program called I'm speaking mm. And we had, we ran it, I think three different times, had two different groups each time. So I had quite a few women. And I was really surprised when a number of pretty well-known speakers and teachers showed up in that program. And I, you know, I said, what is that about? And, and initially we came into the, the program, uh, Lydia Randolph and I, with this idea that we were going to kind of share a lot of teachings, I guess, and facilitate the sharing of the voice. And what we realized as we did the program again and again was that all we needed to do was create space and create an opportunity for women to listen deeply to each other and give each other feedback about the beauty and tenor of their unique voice. <sighs> and it was so, so, so powerful for all of us. Um, and and what, one of the things that people kept talking about was that, you know, for most of us as your girls, and I think boys get this too, to a degree, but I think for girls, it's stronger. You get a lot of messages like, and don't say that, you know, it's not polite, or a good girl wouldn't say that, or, uh, you know, don't rock the boat. If you're, if you're not taking care of someone, you're, you know, you're not doing the right thing. And so it was interesting. It was kind of universal to all the women who showed up in that class, this feeling that, that their deepest, most authentic, most truthful voice was often going unexpressed. And yet it was powerful to get feedback when they did express it. Wow, that was beautiful. And these are, and, and people would share adjectives about each voice. And it was interesting that the adjectives for each woman were different. You know, our voice prints are very unique. It's so interesting. The feeling that I have is most women 
their voices become homogenized. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that word actually means, but what you're doing is, is showing the unique flavor of each woman. Yeah, that's what came out of it is that women grew stronger in their and in, in valuing their unique message and their unique way of sharing a message. And the, the, one of the things that was universal is that women tended to apologize for what they said or to discount it or mm. to cry. Mm. And by the end of the program, that wasn't happening. You know, people were standing in their own truth and power. And I think that's what this writing and, and what this book has done for me in a, in a written form is really loving my own voice and, oh. and honoring it mm. and not comparing it or not thinking it has to sound like anyone else's or that it has to fit any mold. And that's been really, really beautiful. What I just saw, Linda, with you when you were speaking, mm -hmm. By owning that, it's like you know your place in the symphony or you know your place in the universe and you can fully show up in it without apology. Like you just know, I, 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 I don't know if I'm saying this. What I saw was that your light came on so strong and then it's the invitation for everybody else else like to come on because it's unique. It's such an example of... Um, I mean, I know you coach, and what I'm seeing, what I feel from you and what I'm experiencing from you is the power of showing and just being, because it's, it's such permission in a playground to be in this big open field and just be who you are, not just be, to, to be who you are, and that's the biggest invitation, because there's divinity in it. Yeah, exactly right. And modeling that. Not, I mean, not my, it's not the right word. It's just being it. It's not just, it's being it. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think as I, I mean, I've all, I've always tried to speak truthfully or to write truthfully. But one of the learnings of method writing, which really points you to, you know, what is the, what is the, what is the truth of your story? What is the deep, what, what is your deep voice? And encourages you to keep going and exploring what that means. Was that without even realizing it, a lot of times I was running parallel, what I, what I said, what I've said is I was running parallel to the river of my deep voice. Oh, God, say more about that. That's beautiful. I, I wasn't fully in it. I was telling about mm. it, but I wasn't fully in it, speaking from it. And, and when I go to that place, words come out in a particular way. They're sometimes very powerful, and they're sometimes very strong. Um, I, I can tell you very truthfully that my, my husband, Bill Pettit, who's a pretty well-known three principles teacher, I read in my pieces frequently, and uh, he most of the time just loves them and and says, you know, he's got tears in his eyes and he's blown away by it. But but not infrequently, the way I've said something will stop him, and 
he'll have a reaction to it and mm-hmm. say, well, that came across this way or that came across that way. And there's a certain amount of discomfort in it. Like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I don't, I don't think he ever wants me to back off for, from that, but I think there's a feeling with, I don't, I don't know that in you. Mm. Oh, uh, Linda. Where is that coming from? What I, I see is I, I have a book of matches and it's this forlorn woman. Yeah. And what I feel your writing is doing, and I've experienced your writing, it's the match that wakes people up, the discomfort to their own discomfort, to their deep places they haven't been, because you've been brave enough to trek into it. You know, like some people go climb Mount Everest, you went and climbed inside your own Everest inside. Yeah, I would never be one of those who climbs Mount Everest. So it's good that I found another way to do that. But that's a really good analogy, Anna. And and it invites such growth. You know, like it, it, it has invited growth in the relationship between Bill and I, that he knows stories now about me, about my life that, you know, just never have shared. And he understands the lessons of them because I've been able to share them with him. You know, it's like we've lived censored in our life. Yeah. And I feel like the censors have come off and the, 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 the fullness and ripeness of you. And I don't know if there's any escaping that fully. Some of it may be cultural and contextual, but I remember reading that a very famous writer, and I'm going to, I think it was May Sarton, wrote a book about her experience of buying a house and living alone. It was kind of a memoir about a particular time in her life. And then 10 years later, she read it and she was shocked at how much she had withheld. And she rewrote it and said, I'm sorry, readers, I didn't tell the truth the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's what we see. Because she had realized that there were, that she had put herself out there. She wanted she wanted to present a certain image. She, mm. she was sort of, even this very accomplished writer and an accomplished woman wanted to present an image for herself. And I think what she said was, I realized I did my readers a disservice mm. because it made it sound like what I'd gone through was really easy or that I was on top of it. And she said, I was, and I was a mess. Mm. And, and then she went and disclosed the messiness of it and the the what she learned from that and and really later talked about how she felt that helped her readers a lot more than the um than the the first version but it was her evolution and consciousness that made that possible right and so we're we're all going to experience that 10 years from now we'll go god i was being meek (laughs) wait to see that linda what i see i was like oh my god I'm still over some of your pieces that you wrote about the man, your doctor with the shirt and his big, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I can't wait even more. Bring it on. Um, we are, we're coming to the end of this. And is there anything you want to say in closing and then, and then let us know how people find you, et cetera. Oh, I, you know, I would just encourage anyone who has a yen to write. If there's a, you know, if that, if that, desire is written on your heart to honor it and 
find others. I think one of the things I value most from the method writing program is the community of writers, the, the community of men and women writers who support each other and like you just did today, you know, give each other feedback and hold each other up and encourage the deep, authentic voice because it's powerful. It's life changing. Cool. And where, where can people find you if they want to really get a mentor or somebody who embodies love and shines that? How do they find you, Linda? Uh, well, my website is the easiest place. It's uh, Linda Sandell Pettit, S-A-N-D-E-L-P-E-T-T-I-T.com. Great. And this will be all on the bio. And the book, um, The Story of the Muses, is coming out May 14th, which you'll probably be out there already by the time this gets launched. So please buy it and support us. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Thank you.